to we're gonna we're gonna jump in today. How many, real quick, uh, just by a show of hands, how many of you struggle with patience? Struggle with waiting? You don't like waiting? Just raise your hand in here. Come on, let's just be honest. Don't like waiting. I mean, you know, when you go to a restaurant, the first thing that you're asking when you go to a restaurant is how long is the what? How long is the wait? It determines how long. If you're even going to be there, if you're going to go to the next place. Anybody in here have an iPhone? Any iPhone people in here? Uh, if you got an iPhone, how many know that, that when you do the iMessaging, you can, when you're having conversations with people, you can see the bubbles when they're, when they're texting you? How many know? I, 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 one of the things that really drives me crazy is when I ask a question to somebody, and it's like a yes or no question, but you see the bubbles constantly. It's just bubbles, bubbles. I'm like, answer the question! I'm just like that. Uh, thankfully, I live in Jennings, so there's really not a lot of traffic. I came from Houston. Um, that's where I was originally from, and the Dallas area, and there was tons of traffic, and of course, you always got to know how to wait there. I was in Lake Charles a while back, and I noticed that there was a billboard that actually, the, the hospital put up a billboard that said the wait time of the ER. I said, how desperate are we as a people that, like, you got a gunshot wound, you're like, mm, 15 minutes, I'm not going there. You know, like, how crazy is that, that we're getting to a place now where we're wanting everything right now. How I many know everything right now is all about as fast as we can get it? Everything is all, we got high-speed internet. If it's slow, you know, that, that's hard for us. We got uh, fast food. If, if fast food's not good enough, you go through the drive-thru, get it there. And how many know nowadays we don't even go to the mall anymore? You just go on Amazon because you can get it. Come on. And how many know you don't even buy it unless it's prime? It's got to be at least two days now. If it's prime, you don't even, like, I'm not even buying that. I mean, everything is, like, fast now. Everything you do. Went to Disney World. Disney World is all about the fast passes. Everything is about trying to do it. How many know convenience is king in our day and age? How many remember from, from, from back in the day when Internet just started? How many remember this picture right here? How many, how many remember getting on the computer and getting this? Come on, how many remember this one right here? Come on, who's old enough to know this right here? Okay, yeah, all right, there we go. And how many know you'd hear that? You know, it's kind of gone, and then somebody picks up the phone. You're like, get off the phone! You know, it kick you off the Internet. I mean, it's, and it took like four minutes to get to the second bar. I mean, it's just how it was. So we just, that's the Internet that we had nowadays. Now, I, I read a review the other day that said that, that um, with Netflix, with the streaming devices, um, that if, uh, if a Netflix or Hulu, if it buffers for more than 10 seconds, 70% of people go to another show. Within 5 to 10 seconds, if it buffers, they go, just go to the next thing. It's because we just live in an impatient culture. Convenience is king in everything that we do, and uh, if you can click it, think it, see it, it's just how it is. The problem with that, though, is that I have found is that it's creeped into the church, and we think now that if we just pray it, God should answer it right now. Uh, if we, if, if we, we want likes more than lessons, we want wealth more than wisdom, we want the platform more than the process, and yet all that God does in our lives, how many of you know, how many know we serve a God who's not in a hurry? He's not in any hurry. Unfortunately, that's one thing we don't like about God because we would like God to go on our timetable. But it's not how it is. So if you got your notes or if you want to just follow along with us, I want, I want to go to Galatians chapter 5 because Galatians chapter 5 speaks to this idea and it says this. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces. Now notice what the Holy Spirit does in our life. It produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace. And what's the next one? Come on, say it again. Patience, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Now, I want you to notice something here because notice who produces the fruit. The Holy Spirit produces this fruit. So if you need more love in your life, you don't need to try to be more loving. You need more of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
You need more of the Holy Spirit to get peace, to get joy, to get patience. This is how God does it. And one of the things that I know is true for all of us is that everybody in this room is waiting on something. Um, some of you are just waiting on me to get done so you can get out of here. Some of you, like how long is this guy going to be? Um, some of you are, are maybe waiting on a child. Um, how many of you know, like, every Sunday morning, we have children. Uh, I tell our Jennings campus all the time, whoever wrote the song, It's Easy as a Sunday Morning, did not have children. How many of you know, any mamas in here? Um, it's just how it is. You're always waiting. You're always waiting on something. Husbands, how many know you're always waiting? Yeah, you're not even going to say anything. Okay, so you're <laughs> like, I ain't looking. I ain't even looking at her. Okay, so we're always waiting. Maybe you're, maybe you're waiting on a job. Maybe you're waiting on a raise. Maybe you're waiting for, uh, for a loved one to come home. Um, maybe you're waiting on, everybody in here is probably waiting on something in some form, but all of us are waiting, and it's very important for us to understand that, that God wants to develop patience in our lives. I know it's a fruit that we don't really, we all probably struggle with, but uh, if you can understand the, the power of patience and, and what it does in your life, I'm telling you, you can see some God, God do some really big things. So if you're taking some notes, why don't you just write this down? Let me give you a couple, a couple thoughts. I'm going to give you four thoughts here. When it comes to this idea of patience, and the first one is this, is that the promises of God are only paid with patience. The promises of God are only paid with patience. Now, how many remember uh, video games back in the day? I don't know. Uh, I grew up in the 80s and 90s. When, when, how many know when the, when the controller was just two buttons and a little joystick? Y'all remember those days? Come on, when it was not complicated? Okay, it was just like this. And uh, one of the things I used to love about video games like Nintendo and all this stuff is they had, they had, they had codes, cheat codes. You know, it was like up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B. Okay, I still remember all those things. And those codes would give you whatever you want, like unlimited life or ultimate power. Or it would give you some kind of extra thing that you didn't have if you didn't have it. Well, Hebrews chapter 6 is kind of the cheat code when it comes to patience. When it comes to us getting the things that God has for us, Hebrews 6 kind of gives us the layout of how it happens. And this is what it says. Hebrews 6, verse 12 and 15 says, We do not want you to become lazy. But to imitate those who through, everybody say this word, through what? Through faith and, through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Watch the next verse. Verse 15 says, and so after, everybody say those two words. Yeah, y'all didn't even want to say it. <laughs> okay. After waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Abraham received what was promised. Go back to the verse right, right before it. it says, We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those through faith and patience. That the promises of God in your life are, the, the cheat code is you need faith and you need patience. Faith is the confident hope that God will do what he says he will do. But how many of you know God doesn't always do it right now? So God says you need faith to believe for what you're going to believe for. But you also need patience. You, you may have to wait for it. God may be doing some things in this. And so the only promises of God will only be paid through patience. This verse is speaking to about a guy by the name of Abraham. Now, Abraham was the father of faith. Abraham, um, at 75 years old, not having any children, uh, God told him, you're going to have a child. And most of us think, okay, then Sarah would get pregnant, and then they would have a child. Well, he was given the promise when he was 75, which, by the way, I mean, I'm in retirement at 75. Kids are out. I'm already, like, saying kids, no kids right now. I'm 37. Um, 75. Guess when Sarah has a baby? When she's 99. 24 years of waiting for the promises to come through. We can ask Joseph. 
I mean, the Joseph, the who had the jean jacket of many colors. I mean, he was the jealous one of of so many things in his brothers' lives. Where he he had a dream that he was going to be in charge, and of course, he sold told his brothers that dream. They didn't like the dream, and they ended up selling him off into slavery. He goes into Egypt, and he's he's serving in Egypt in the house and. Uh, I mean, Potiphar's wife, she was a bit of a cougar. Uh, she liked young men, young Hebrew boys especially. And uh, yeah, anyways, that might go over some of y'all. But um, she, she wanted that. She wanted to have a little bit of him, and he didn't want it. And, and so he's running from her. She grabs his coat. She accuses him of doing something he didn't do, throws him in prison. He stays in prison for a number of years. Um, he finally does eventually get out by interpreting dreams. But the, the process of what it took for him going from having the dream to him Finally being second in charge, it took 14 years. How many know if, if Joseph would have heard the fine details of that dream? Hey, by the way, here's the dream. You're going to be second in charge. Oh, by the way, this is what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, you're going to be thrown in prison, okay? Uh, you're going to be falsely accused. Uh, you're going to be, all this stuff's going to happen. You're going to be a slave. How many know I'd be like, bye, Felicia, I'm out. I ain't doing this. I'm not doing that at all. But yet here we are, Joseph, thankfully, how many know Joseph, thankfully, didn't didn't waver. He stayed faithful. Year three, year five, year 10, year 13. Imagine if Joseph would have said year 13, I'm out. Like, I know God, you gave me a dream, but I'm out. I'm done. But he didn't. What about David? David wasn't even invited to the party of being anointed as the next king. Samuel comes and he shows up and David's dad, Jesse, invited all of his other brothers and Samuel Goes through all of them and says, no, none of these guys are that. Do you have another brother? And he's like, oh, we forgot little D. We got to go get him. Okay, get him out here. And they bring David in, and here comes David. And David is, shows up, and Samuel says, yes, he is. He's the anointed one. He's going to be the next king. He anoints them. You know where he goes next? Not to the king, not to the palace. He goes back to being a shepherd. Goes and tells all the sheep, hey, I'm going to be the next king. And they're like, bah. You know, that's not, they didn't care. You know how long it took for, king, for David to become the next king? 14 years. 14 years. Let's ask Noah about this. Noah, what do, you, what, do you know anything about patience, Noah? Oh, Noah could tell you. Oh, I, told, I, I can tell you. God told me it was going to rain, which had never happened before. He told me to build a boat for this rain. You know how long it, it took between when God told him it was going to rain and by the time it actually rained? 50 years. Dear goodness, 50 years. I mean, God, you told me to build a boat and start a zoo. What's going on here? And here we are, 50 years later, finally, God promises. Hey, could we ask Jesus? Jesus at 12 years old was ready. Jesus at 12 years old, they're in the temple. Uh, Mary and Martha came there. They're paying their taxes and everything. And they leave to go back home. And, uh, you know, two days into the journey back home, Joseph looks at Mary and says, Hey, where's, Je- where's Jesus? And Mary says, I thought you had Jesus. And he goes, I thought you had Jesus. Any of y'all ever lost your kids before? Uh, yeah. Hey, how many you know it's really bad when you lose Jesus? Okay, that's another level. <laughs> and the worst thing, it took them two days to figure it out. <laughs> uh, uh, there's hope for all of us parents. And so, so sure enough, they come back, and they come back, and, and, and here's Jesus. He's teaching in the temple. And all of the Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees are amazed at, at this wisdom that this 12-year-old boy has. And at that moment... Jesus was probably ready, but you know what? We don't see Jesus again for 18 years. Jesus lived 33 years, 30 years of preparation for three years of service for three hours of purpose, but 30 years of preparation. David, Joseph, Noah, Abraham, 
Jesus, all of them would tell us today that the promises of God are only paid with patience. And, and that rubs us so wrong because it's against everything that we want because we want everything right now. Can we just all agree with that? Everything right now. God, I prayed for it right now. Why didn't it happen right now? God, why aren't you not moving right now? And have you ever noticed that patience and faithfulness are two fruits of the Spirit that only are, have a prerequisite of time? Love, you don't need time. Joy, you don't need time. Peace, you don't need time. But patience and faithfulness, you have to have time in order to develop, develop those. And can we just all agree in here that waiting is long? Waiting is hard. Waiting is discouraging. Waiting is disheartening. How many of you in here, we already took the poll, don't like waiting? I don't like waiting. Like that waiting was awkward, wasn't it? I mean, y'all were like, please speak. That was 10 seconds. Imagine if God made you wait for a year or five years or 10 years. I, I talked to so many people after the first service that were talking about, like, I've been waiting for my, my husband to come to know the Lord. Like, he's far from the Lord. I heard another lady that was talking about uh, a relationship that she's had with her kid that is running from God. I've just been waiting for him to know God. And I, I had to talk to another person after the first service about they're waiting for a job opportunity because they've just been, they've, they've been in this cycle of seasons of not having a job. And we're all waiting, and it's hard. Can I tell you right now where the enemy is going to work the hardest on you? When you're waiting. Because we are going to get so discouraged in the waiting, we think that God is not who he says he is. See, because you got to realize that there is sowing and there's reaping. But in between the two, what is there? <laughs> waiting. Watch what Galatians says. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says this. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the, everybody say those two words, at the what? At the proper time. At the proper time, we will reap a harvest. Here we go. This is the key here. If we won't, what? If we don't give up. If we don't give up, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. The enemy wants to wear you down in the waiting season. God has a reaping season for us, but where the enemy works the most is in the waiting season. Some of you have given up on dreams. Some of you have given up on your marriage. Some of you have given up on your kids. Some of you have given up on your finances. Some of you have given up on things that God has told you not to give up on, but you've given up on it because you've gotten so discouraged in the waiting and it's too long for you. I don't want to wait for this anymore. And here's what we do. We usually end up taking things into our own hands in that time. But this scripture tells us that in the proper time, another translation says in the due season, that in God's kingdom, there are an there's another season. There's not just winter, spring, summer, and fall. There's also due season. Well, L Louisiana, we just have summer and not so much summer. We only got two seasons in Louisiana. But there is, in God's kingdom, the due season. That there's things that God wants to give us, but we have to have patience. Let me give you the second thing if you want to write this down. Watch. When you're waiting, God is working. When you're waiting, God is working. Watch James chapter 1, verse 3 through 4. It says this. For you know that when your faith is what? Everybody say that word. Come on, say it. Come on, say it like you're awake. Tested. All right. Shake the person to the next to you and tell them. Tested. 
Tell them you're testing me. Just tell them. <laughs> if you touch them, you might be. All right. Your endurance, watch this. Your endurance has a chance to what? To grow. So let it, let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Nothing. How many know when you ask for patience, God doesn't zap you with patience? You know what he does? He gives you opportunities to develop patience. Is this not true? So he puts you in traffic. And you're like, I just want to get there. And somebody pulls out in front of you. And, you, you, you know, you want to just let them know they're number one. But you don't because you're a Christian. You go to OSC. You know, you don't want to represent us bad. You don't want to represent Jesus. So what you do, you pull up next to them. And you do like the Christian thing. You just, you know, just kind of do the stare. You know what I mean? I've had people do that to me, and they pull up beside me, and then, and then they're like, oh, Pastor Josh. <laughs> uh, what were you about to do? And so uh, that's why I don't put a sticker on my car. <laughs> and so this is how it works, that oftentimes when God is asking you to wait, it's not punishment, it's development. It's not punishment, it's development. When you ask God to give you patience, he'll send you an annoying boss. When you ask God for patience, maybe he'll give you a child that's got a spirit of the devil in him. I don't know. He'll, he'll, he'll put something in there where if you, if you understand that God, come on, how many know when you had your first kids, they were like angels. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, I'd have a bunch of those. Then you had number two, and you're like, God, what did you do? This is a part of God developing the patience inside of us. And here's, here's what we do. If we don't have perspective, we can miss out that God is using this to grow us. He's using us not to punish us. He's using us to develop us. And it's so important for you to understand that. How many, uh, how many mamas in here? How many, how many mamas in here? You have, you've had a baby. You know what a baby is? Okay, all right. Um, yeah, and so we got, you know, new babies. Like Ryan Clark. Yeah, look at y'all. New baby. And that's awesome. And so if you know anything about the, the, the baby process is you have conception, which is the promise. You have delivery, which is the fulfillment. But what do you got in between? <laughs> Sheer bliss, <laughs> right? Nine months of just incredible enjoyment, right? No, no, no. You got, there is levels of enjoyment, but there's also levels of vomiting and labor pains and hard times and peeing all the time. And it's just all this, that, that, that what is happening? God is using the waiting season to do what? To develop a baby, to put and form a baby. When you're in the waiting season, God is forming, God is growing, God is doing something inside of you. And when you're going through life's difficulties, you always have to let what you know trump how you feel. I'm going to say that again because this is huge. When you're going through life's difficulties, you always need to let what you know trump how you feel. Because if we're not careful, we'll let what we feel dictate what we do. And when you're going through something and you believe that God is in the middle of that, you've got to let what you know trump everything in all of this. And so this is so important for us to understand that while you are waiting, God is working. I, um, I, I, I've shared a little bit of my own, my own story of when I, when I came here to, to Jennings, when I moved to Jennings, I was the youth pastor. That's what I started out as. I was Pastor Zach's youth pastor and, and Claire's youth pastor for a number of years before actually I trained him up and he became the youth pastor of our Jennings campus. Um, and I've always had kind of this desire that one day I always felt like God was going to call me to, to be 
a lead pastor in some form or a senior pastor or, or to, to lead at a larger level. But I was just the youth pastor at that time. But I always had dreams of things that God was going to do bigger for me. I remember um, 2007, we were seven years in as a church, and uh, we felt like God was calling us to be a church planting church, that we were going to plant other, other churches and other campuses. And 2007, we planted our Eunice campus, and uh, that was our first campus that we ever planted. And, and I was like 100% sure that Eunice was going to be my campus. And so I remember the day where we were in staff meeting, Pastor Bubba was like, hey, listen, uh, I, I, I determined who is going to lead the Eunice campus, and I'm waiting for him to go, and Josh is the man. And he goes, and it's going to be Jamie Tyler. And I'm like, what? Like, are you kidding me? Like, I am ready. I'm, and sure enough, it, it was a bypass. And, uh, and so, man, I was disappointed. I was so discouraged, so discouraged. And so then, in 2013, we started the dreaming process of Crowley. Now, for what most people don't know is uh, my family has a lot of, of friends and stuff in the Crowley area. So I, um, I know a, a good bit of people that are in the Crowley area and um, just always had a heart for this area as well. So when we started dreaming of Crowley, I was thinking in the back of my head, this is the moment. Like, this is it, you know. And yet again, I remember Pastor Bella coming in our office and going, all right, we've determined who's going to be the lead pastor of the Crowley campus. And I'm like, here it is. And he goes, it's going to be Zach. And I'm like, what? I trained him. <laughs> like, what is wrong? And uh, what I didn't know was that uh, Pastor Bubba was grooming me for, to take over our Jennings campus, which is the one that he was really overseeing. Um, and it was all a God thing. But I was so disappointed in those seasons because I always thought that it was supposed to be me. It was supposed to be me. It took 14 years to finally getting to a place where I really felt like God was was putting me where, where I felt like I should be and what he had called me to do. Can I tell you what most pastors would have done? They would have left. In our, in our city, in Jennings, at, at, at just one church in our city, they've gone through nine pastors since I've been there. Nine. And it's just because of a lot of different things. But most guys are, are not willing to just sit and wait for the right timing. God's timing, by the way, because they want it under their timing. And listen, we all do the same thing oftentimes. When God doesn't work the way that we want, we take it into our own hands. And we say, God, I'm, I'm going to do it. Which leads me actually to number three, and that is the only thing harder than waiting on God is wishing you had. The only thing harder than waiting on God is wishing that you, you had done it. Watch what 1 Samuel chapter 13 says. 1 Samuel 13 verse 8 through 14 says, Saul waited there seven days for Samuel, and as Samuel had instructed him earlier, but Samuel still didn't come, and Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. So he demanded, watch this, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offering. So just so you know the scenario, what's going on, Samuel is the priest. Samuel is the one who's supposed to do all the offerings. He's the one that's supposed to bless everything. He's the one that's supposed to prepare these guys for war. He's the one. And he said, hey, go there, wait seven days, and I'll be there. Samuel doesn't show up when Saul wants him to. All of Saul's guys are getting so discouraged, they're leaving. So Saul takes matters into his own hands. Watch what he says. And so Saul sacrifices the burnt offerings himself. Just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offering, isn't this crazy? That just as he's finishing it, guess who shows up? <laughs> Samuel. He's here. 
And Saul went out to meet him and welcome him. But Samuel said, what is this that you have done? Saul replied, I saw my men. They were scattering from me, and you didn't arrive when you said you would. And the Philistines are at Michmash ready to, for the battle. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal, and I haven't even asked the Lord for help. So I need to be, I was so compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. Verse 13, how foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the command the Lord your God had given you. Now watch this. Here we go. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel what? Everybody say that word. For, okay, we're going sandlot. All right. Forever. Verse 14. But now, watch this. Your kingdom must end. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Now, here's what I need you to understand. Saul was anointed by God. Saul was appointed by God. But he forfeited God's favor because he was impatient. He was God's man. But because of his disobedience, because he took matters into his own hands, he forfeited all that God had for him. God said, next, we'll go to David. And when we take matters into our own hands, this is the exact same thing that God does in our lives. So God says, all right, I'll either wait on you or next. See, because if patience is a fruit of the spirit, impatience is a fruit of the flesh. It's, an, it's, a, it's a fruit of the flesh. And we live in a society where we have a why wait mentality. You know, as, as, a, uh, as a pastor, I, we do so much premarital counseling and so much counseling at, at the Jennings campus. It's, um, it's a lot. We have a lot of people that we're counseling through. And, and here's a lot of the counsel that I'm, that I'm working through is I'm working with a lot of people who don't want to wait to have sex. They don't want to wait. They say, why wait? I mean, we're going to get married. Why wait? And like, you don't understand. You don't understand the power of what you're doing. But that transpires into so many. It's not just why wait to have sex. It's uh, why wait to get married? Why don't we just get married now? And why wait to buy this car? I can just go get a loan right now. And, uh, you know, I can, I can just pay this mortgage. And this is just how to be. And they, they don't realize the, the principle of waiting for the timing of God. And they just take matters into their own hands. Especially when it comes to marriage. I see so many, and it's specifically a lot of women that I see, but a lot of women that will date losers because they're not willing to wait for the man of God. And so what ends up happening is if they rush it, they regret it. If they rush it, they regret it. Can I get an amen from the women in the place here? If you will rush it, you will regret it. I'm telling you right now, wait, wait, wait. God has a Boaz for you. He's got someone that he's got for you. And if you're willing to wait for it, come on, how many know God will give you the man of your dreams? I have the wife of my dreams right now. And it was worth the wait. It was worth the wait. It was worth the wait. I, I've never met someone who waited and regretted it. I've always met a lot of people who, who regretted it because they didn't wait. And this is in all areas of our lives, by the way, where we take matters into our own hands. Let me, let me show you a little formula that works this way. Our way plus our timing equals personal regret. Our way, our timing. Got a good friend of ours that, that wanted to go and try to make money real quick. And uh, it, it, he, he just took matters in his own hands. He went and, and, and did this thing, and it just fell apart. 
It was his way, his timing, and now he's actually living not only with the personal regret of the decision that he did, but the financial burden of everything that he just did because he tried to do it in his own time. Our way plus our timing equals personal regret, but God's way plus God's timing equals God's blessing. Come on, how many of you in here want God's blessing on your life right here? Three of you. Okay, I'm going to pray. <laughs> Everybody else. Or is it you just have your hands up and those seats go back so far? Okay, that's probably what it is. <laughs> yeah, you got to raise it up in this seat. Romans 12, verse 12 says this. Rejoice in our confident hope. Now watch this. Everybody say these next four words. Be what? Be. Come on, I need you to love it. Be what? In what? Oh, my goodness. Can we just edit that part out of the scriptures? Anybody with me on that one? Can we just go rejoice in our confident hope, keep on praying? Can we just skip over the middle part? <laughs> rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, keep on praying. So here's the question, you ready? How do you react in trouble? How do, re how do you react when pressure is on? Do you get frantic? Do you get anxious? Do you get fearful? Do you take matters into your own hands? Or do you experience patience? When the bills are due and God says, just trust me, you honor me in your, in your giving, trust me, I'll provide for you. Or you just hurry up and call and go get the loan that now you got to take 15 years to pay back. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Rejoice. Rejoice in confident hope. That's the faith aspect. But then you got to remember faith and patience. you got to be patient in trouble and then hey by the way just keep praying just keep on praying just keep on praying and number four the last one is this how you wait directly affects how long you wait how you wait directly affects how long you wait watch this definition of patience you ready here's the working definitions of patience patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay trouble are suffering without getting angry at or upset. Come on, how many you know 98% of us are disqualified right now? We're out. I mean, it's like, hey, if that's what patience is, I'm gone. <laughs> right? The capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, suffering without getting angry or upset. How you wait directly affects how long you wait. Well, Josh, what, what, why are you talking about? How, how can you prove that? Let's ask the children of Israel this one. So the children of Israel are delivered from 400 years of bondage. God frees them, you know. Moses goes up in there. Let my people go. We've all seen the movie, okay? They walk through the sea. They, I mean, there's so many great things that God is doing from them, okay? They're getting cheeseburgers from heaven every day, okay? They get, they, water's coming from rocks. I mean, God's providing everything that they need. The journey from Egypt to the promised land was 11 days. You know how long it took them to actually get to the promised land? 40 years. 4-0, 40. Why? Because they complained. They mumbled. They grumbled. They disobeyed. They forgot God. Could it be That God is not giving you exactly what you want right now because of how you're waiting. How you're waiting. And so what God is doing is they're not ready yet. So I'm going to let them just wait a little longer now. They're not ready yet. I'm going to let them wait just long. 
See, here's why it took 40 years for the children of Israel. Because it took them, it took God 40 years to get Egypt out of them. They got out of Egypt, but it took 40 years for God to get Egypt out of them. Here's the question. I don't know about y'all. I want God to get Egypt out of me as fast as possible. So I can walk into the things that God has for me. Come on, how many believe God's got bigger and better things for this church? He's got bigger and better things for your family. He's got bigger and better things for your life. But how many know we got to be willing to wait and wait and wait? When God, when we're waiting, God is working. And it's not about how long you wait. It's how you wait. It's how you wait. Any of y'all got kids? And you tell them, hey, just sit there and wait. Come on, how's that going? (laughs) So when we think of waiting, oftentimes we think of sitting in a chair and just pat. You think of a waiting room. The place I hate the most is a doctor or dentist's office. You just got to sit and you just got to wait. You're waiting for them to like pull your number and come out that door. You know, every time the door opens, you're like, yes. And then they say somebody else, you're like, no. And we often think of waiting in that form. But the Bible says those who wait on the Lord will find fresh strength. But he's not using the terminology of waiting versus like a passive sitting and waiting. He's using the terminology of waiting like when you go to a restaurant, someone comes to your table. What are they called? A waiter or a waitress. What is, what is their posture? Their posture is not sitting back. They're there to serve you, to help you, to provide for you. So here's, here's what God is saying. You ready, church? Those who wait on the Lord, those who say, God, I'm at your service, what would you like? Those who proactively serve the Lord will find fresh strength. Fresh strength. God has fresh strength for some of you, but you thought that waiting might just be sitting back like, oh, I'm waiting on the Lord. No, no, no. As you're waiting, God is working, but he's wanting you to continue. So this is what God is calling us as a church. Hey, listen. You're waiting on a building. Come on. I mean, we're, we're, we're believing God for a, a new building for OSC Crowley. We're waiting. But guess what? While we're waiting, God's working. He's not only working on fulfilling our prayer to get a building. Guess what else he's working on? You. He's developing us as a church. He's preparing us, doing great works in us. He's, as we're waiting, God is working 